0: Be more intentional about being challenged in my thinking and going out there and finding the stuff. I think one of the most, the thing that we don't really get to do, especially when COVID happens and we're trying to navigate life in general, is we don't get to reflect much unless we're very intentional about it. And having you here as a new angle, a new challenge to my thinking and my points of view is actually what we all need.
1: Try this bad, Nice. You are welcome to take a seat at the table, where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable, to facilitate a new conversation.
2: Hey, welcome to the decision table, and I hope there's strong coffee or something there. So now it's early in the morning.
0: Yeah, and my entire family have got COVID, so.
2: (laughs) Oh, do you know what I think is really funny right now? And it's not really funny, but it's kind of funny, is that it would be stranger you saying that there was no COVID in your house. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know that's kind of random. Are they okay? Are they doing all right? Yeah,
0: it's happened really weird. We've got two kids. We've got Zach, who's nearly three. He's three next month, the day after mine. And I've got Noah, who's six months nearly. And Zach basically brought it home from play school. And play school on Thursday yeah. said we got a kid who's t- tested positive. And and then the next day they said we've got another one that's tested positive and a member of staff. So between 48 hours, they told us there was four kids and two members of staff with positive tests and that they needed to close next week. Yes, <laughs> we were just like, what you wanted oh, to hear. Man. And then literally we woke up Saturday morning feeling terrible. <laughs> we were like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the timing couldn't have been any more perfect. And then Sunday was really bad. But the last couple of days, we slowly started to feel better. The worst thing is the energy. Hmm. Like just rips it out of you. It's just really hard to do anything, let alone look after two kids.
2: Let alone be Um, on here today.
0: Hey, this is (laughs) my getting away from it all. You could
2: have have (laughs) changed this, but I am really glad and welcome to being on the decision table. Because firstly, I just want to say, this is just where I have conversations with just awesome humans across the globe, yourself included in this, I'm sure, because anyone that can sort of be going through that in their environment and then jump on here. That's a champion in my thinking. (laughs) But like, just know that there's no right or wrong on here. It's literally just us having a conversation, getting to know each other. And I was traveling the world for almost four years as a nomadic CEO. And I remember during that time, I would meet amazing people across the globe. And I kind of felt a little bit selfish that I was having these great conversations but no one else was getting to be in on it. So that's kind of why when you come into my world, the first thing is, do you want to jump on here? Because I think, you know, I can't wait to get to know you through this conversation. And I'm sure there's going to be droplets of wisdom that others can get from this as well. So welcome.
0: Well, thank you. I have been secretly uh, a fan of you and Taki actually for quite some time and it's yeah it was great to be introduced properly and to jump on a, and I love this format as well I love this like straight off the cuff let's just jump and get to know each other I think it's the yeah. best way to really get the best out of people so yeah I'm excited I'm excited to see well, what kind of it.
2: the thing that, that I love about it and that I've really loved about it over time has that small talk that stuff that yeah. I'm not very good at I'm just not good at But I love to learn about you, your thinking, what you're seeing. And it kind of gets rid of some of that stuff. Taki, by the way, is really good at those conversations. And that's why (laughs) we work well as a team because he kind of like can do those conversations really easily. And I'm not so good at those, but I'm good at the deep and diving in. So I'm going to first question off the sort of cuff here is... How do you keep creative in amongst a life that is pretty full on right now across the globe and what you're experiencing in your environment right now?
0: Yeah, wow, what a question, because it's key to what I do. I think it's key to what we all do, no matter what it is, really. But staying creative is, I think, mostly about environment. Hmm. I've always been a big believer that if you want to be creative, all you have to do is change your environment. And because it does something to the mind that I've never really been able to explain. I just know that I experience it quite often. And when you do experience it and you understand it, you can trigger it, you can use it to your advantage. So whenever I need to be creative, I just get out of my space. You know, in, in marketing, a lot they call it a pattern interrupt, but actually, it's good in real life, you know, it's good for anything. Um, it's the same reason we go on holidays and vacations you know it's to get out of that environment you're already in into a new one and it makes you feel really good doesn't it and yes we think it's sun and sand and drinks and all those kinds of things but actually it's just being in a different environment that makes your brain think differently it moves your brain to tap into parts that it wasn't really tapping into before because of the monotony of everyday life kind of thing So, yeah, I think the way that I stay creative is just changing my environment. I live in a beautiful place in the UK. There's so many places that I can go here, you know, that's you know, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be paid. I can go, I live near lakes, so I can go near a lake or I can go to, you know, a building that is empty or, uh, you know, the standard coffee shop kind of thing. But just changing your environment, I think. Really, really helps creativity. Which is,
2: by the way, easy and awesome when the world is open, when there's things that don't hold you back from moving or changing your environment. So how do you do that or how have you done that in amongst times when we haven't been able to go out to the lake or to other places, how have you kept that going?
0: Uh, I'm fairly lucky in the sense that I, uh, actually not anymore, but I used to have a spare room in the house that I could use as a space. And instead of changing the environment, or sorry, changing the room as the environment, I changed the environment in the room. Mm, so. Love that things like scents and smells and things that you can touch and things that you can see and things that you can hear you know playing with the senses a little bit so you can almost create actually i've got a really good example a case study of this so i actually have a client that has a gym and it's like it's the only one of its kind in the uk at the minute so it's a gym that you can book yourself for mm. 60 minutes on your own so it's all for you And the original idea when we were pushing around ideas for what this would look like in the future, what he said was that he would want people to set their environment in the app so when they entered the building, it would change to what they wanted it to be. So it would be the right temperature, it would have the right lighting, it would play their favourite playlist and it would get them in that environment to work out because they knew that they performed best In that way, when they had the right music and the right temperature, all the things. Love it. So I almost tried to recreate something like that in my own office or my own personal space. So I would change the music, change the light, light a candle, you know, whatever I needed to do. And all of a sudden it would become a relaxing space where I could read or where I could draw. And then when the candle was blown out and the window was open and the fresh air was coming in, that was time to get to work. So I think we can change, even though we are stuck uh, sometimes in a secluded room, I think we could still change our environment in that micro way, I guess.
2: It's so cool hearing someone else do this. I've done this a lot over time. And I think it's because when I was travelling, I also often – got the second option of the cool spaces for an office space in amongst all of our <laughs> travel and I'm kind of like you that I like to be creative in the way that I like to you know like I'm one of those chicks that have the oil going behind and you know because I love that smell and I'm I've got like over here on the other side of this table I've got like this spare space I've got my posted-it notes my colored pencils I've got like there's no screens over there it's just my creative space and I've got like this big white you know pad thing to write on or draw on or whatever on and over here I've got like this lounge bit where I got like some books and my notebooks and just you know different spaces within a space and I learned Mm. to do that when I was traveling because I didn't like just being set in one spot and we were doing a lot of you know zooms because you couldn't like that was even before sort of everyone else was doing zooms but because we were traveling so we weren't necessarily face-to-face with groups we were doing it online already and so I kind of got into that space where I learned how to create a space and have a different feeling emotion a thought I like the fact that I can sort of change state in the different spaces. Mm. And because of that, it creates that opportunity for different outcomes. How, you know, I think about that and I think about my morning routine. And one of the important things about my morning routine is to go out into sort of nature for a walk. And yes, it's for the physical as well. Don't get me wrong. It totally is for that. And it's for one of the things I like doing is like getting the senses happening so I began to take photos really a lot when I was out and the reason being was I wanted to capture a moment and so I would see something, and then I'd capture that. And then later when I was feeling like, oh, this is like sucky, I'm at the table, I'm working away, and then I'd look at that photo and I'd remember that moment. And things like, often I won't even listen to a podcast, I won't listen to anything in headphones because I'm trying to listen to the animals or the sound of the water. And it's to get the senses happening because I wanted to be more aware in my work so I figured if I started my day off it would get those senses happening and it makes me more creative as well what about you what's your sort of things that trigger your senses
0: I think you're right I think getting outside in nature no matter where you are I think you could be in a city Mm. and you could still walk around and you could still use your senses but you do I always find that you do have to do it intentionally You can't really use it, use like walking in nature as a tool unless you're intentional about the the sense. Because I remember hearing before about morning routines and what to do and its suggestions and it says to get out in nature. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. I live in a beautiful area, like lakes around and like wildlife, beautiful. So I'll just go for a walk in the morning. Then you go for a walk in the morning, nothing really happens. You're concentrating on steps or, you know, how far you've gone or do you need to get home yet? Or, you know, so you have to be really intentional about being mindful in the process that this is you are getting out in nature. You are going to use your senses, you know, let your mind wander and look for things and listen for things and, and smell things. So, yeah, I'm the same as you. I love to get out in nature, close to water most of the time if I can, just for the noise and the feeling of being close to water, I think, is really nice. Hmm. But, yeah, I do think you have to be intentional with it. You Because there's no – I think there's something in the, the mind linking the image that you take. So do you find that it kind of – it does take you back there? So you take an image and then – You've been very intentional about what you're lit what you're hearing and what you're smelling and what you're seeing. So when you see the picture later on, it almost brings it back to you that sense of calm or what you felt at the time. Is is that the intention with it?
2: It's totally the intention and it's that moment Mm. of I'm such a visual person and like if I see this amazing sunset or sunrise, then I'll take that photo and I just go, I remember how I felt in that moment. I remember what I was thinking in that moment or uh, I might have been in a, I love design. I'm a real sort of uh, lost in design with creative stuff. And if probably in another lifetime, I would have gotten into design a little bit more in my life. But I really, you know, like I like going to, say, in Japan, when they have like these crazy-ass museums. And I like seeing through a different angle. Mm-hmm. And at one time, all I did was take photos on an angle. So the thing that caught me when you came on the screen was that you're up in the roof, you've got like these two, like an angle like that. So to me, that's like, okay, I like that. That's a little different. It's a little disruptive in my brain. And I see things through the lens at a different angle at a little different way. And I think bringing it back into my work, what I've done is I've looked through different lenses and had different people at the table And because of that, I can see things that people don't often see. So when I'm seeing it through the camera, I'm seeing something from a whole different perspective. And I love seeing that because it makes me think out of the box and reminds me to go, well, if I hadn't looked up there and seen that out of my corner of my eye and then captured it, I would have missed it.
0: It's almost like watching a movie over it's and over seeing something different. A
2: movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, when you watch a movie and you're like, I didn't how did I not see that the first time I watched it? And that, yeah. like you catch different things every time. I remember the first time I watched Fight Club and you don't yeah. see the flashes on the screen of like the face or whatever. And then the second and third you see it a little bit more. Once I watched it like five or six times, you can see exactly where they're showing up, you know? Yeah, so it almost feels a little bit like that. <laughs> so
2: here's the thing, right? If we have having conversations how do we make sure that we are catching those things that we often miss how do we look through a different lens and get a different perspective do you feel we're doing that well as a human race
0: hmm that's a really good question There's one thing having, you know, our own points of view and sharing our points of view. There is another thing in how we communicate our points of view, I think. Mm. We're constantly having these conversations, most of which need to happen. So they do need to happen. But we are in this age where information is so readily available, so readily editable, so readily you know, uploaded, downloaded, or thrown in the bin that we often get caught in the way it's communicated and we can lose the message a little bit, I think. So I think the conversations are happening and I think we are starting... We've got, got so much resource to see things from different angles. Number one, we have to... I do think, back to what we were talking about before, I do think we have to be a bit more intentional about the information and yeah. how we're communicating it rather than it just being this flow That goes through us. You know, there are people in the world, and I think, you know, I'm making assumptions, but I think this is the majority. There are people in the world that wake up in the morning, and the first thing they do is turn on the TV or the radio to listen Mm -hmm. to what's going on around the world every day. You're listening to it because it's been given to you in a certain way and being communicated to you in a certain way. We don't use this, and we don't go out and challenge the information or think about it being communicated in different ways or anything like that. So I do just think uh, information is just everywhere, isn't it? It's completely abundant. And whereas we would talk about abundance in a really positive way most of the time, I think with information, it's probably the other way. (laughs) So we'd have to be a bit more intentional about the information we do consume And even when we consume it, how we then digest it and how we challenge it. Yeah. So I think that's probably a really important thing when we're talking about different perspectives and conversations.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point and something that I'm often talking about, and that's the way we're communicating. I think we've known a word, we've known something that we've seen, we've had a conversation. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, as soon as you come on, I want to go live. Because otherwise I might look at you, start thinking, oh, he's going to be like this, he's going to sound like that, this is what he's going to talk about. And I'll start building a conversation around that. Why I like to go live straight away without doing any of that is, it doesn't give me the chance to start using some of the lenses that maybe I would use if I had time talking to you beforehand and getting to know you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I don't think if you did come to the call and you did make initial judgment and that led you, I don't think anyone could blame you for it. I don't think it's like anyone would think bad of you for doing that. We do it as human beings. That's what we do. And actually I think the fact that, you know, the minute I showed up you went live is actually you being intentional about I don't want to have these judgments because they come to us naturally as humans. So that's you intentionally saying maybe like, I don't want to have that judgment. So let's go live and let's just get on with it. totally maybe uh, And bypass my brain.
2: Yes, exactly. But I wonder how often we're doing that in conversations or I'm wondering if we did do that, would it change the conversations we're having? So yeah, I love the fact that you said, I don't blame Mm. you if you did do that. But I think that's kind of the old approach. And I talk about old approach and new approach a lot. And I think the old approach is that we have assumptions, we have communicated certain words, and we have perspectives from it. And Mm. the way that we process data, which you just talked about before, and I want to deep dive into that more, is an interesting concept, because it has been sort of systemized, or, you know, there's been archaic sort of levels of thinking that has got us to how we process that or don't process it or in lots of ways we have been taught not to think for ourselves because if we thought for ourselves that would be disruptive and then that would probably cause a few problems across the board so you know there's a lot in place There's a lot of things that have, you know, meant that we have, I don't know that we've had the skills or resources or the tools to be able to do it differently. But I think, and this is purely through the work I continue to do, but I've done for years as well. And the data that I've been collecting over having these conversations that there actually is a time now that many are saying they don't want it to continue the same way. And The only way I can see that changing is if we're willing to, you know, take a new approach, communicate in a different way, have different perspectives, maybe use different tools or resources. Any thoughts, insights around that?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how we do that. But as we already know, and as we've spoken about, our intent's really powerful. So maybe just, I think challenging is probably the word that comes to mind straight away. Just being able to challenge what we believe. I probably don't do this enough myself where, you know, I will read something or, you know, take on this belief of something through the information that we have and then challenge it. I probably don't do it enough. I don't think we do it enough as a race, as a human, because we've got into this kind of (laughs) this.
2: So let's pull that apart. Let's pull that (laughs) apart. Why do you think you don't and maybe why we don't as a human race?
0: Yeah, so personally, there is a sense, um, and this might come across a little bit strange actually, but there is a sense of like removing myself from Mm. a situation or a belief system or being part of something. You know, I'm one of these people that don't watch the news at all. So all of my information is either intentional or passive completely, Um, which means that I'm physically going out to look for the information. Or it's completely passive in that I scroll past something on Facebook and I'm like, Hmm. what? And that's it, gone. That's extremes. Yeah, exactly. So for me to then challenge something, I would more likely be challenging something that I've intentionally gone to look for than that I've passively found. Which is almost counterintuitive if you was to do that, because you've already been intentional about getting the information. (laughs) So why would you challenge it? Because that's the information you wanted. But I guess, you know, some people would argue that that's the information you need to challenge. If that's your belief system Mm -hmm. and that's your core thing that you've gone out to find, that's probably what you should challenge. And the other stuff, just leave it there, you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that, I actually think that's pretty interesting what you're saying there. And I think that what is interesting about that too is you keep bringing up how we need to be intentional. And I agree Mm -hmm. that we do need to Mm -hmm. be intentional. But if we bring it into the framework of old approach versus new approach old approach it's easy to be intentional because you know kind of the structure the system the thinking
0: Mm.
2: new approach if we are to sort of pioneer maybe even innovate new solutions think a little different how do you be intentional if you're doing that
0: exactly what this is Mm. you involve other people I hate conflict. I'm one of these personality types that will shy away from conflict at every opportunity. Don't
2: you reckon, though, most people are in that situation? <laughs> yeah. I don't have conflict yeah. either. People kind of yeah. to stir up things. And I said, <laughs> No. I actually love solutions.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think I hate conflict. So I try and shy away from it. But what I've learned to do over the years mm-hmm. is I've learned to invite it from the beginning and it becomes much more comfortable. So huh. I will have a belief about a certain thing and we will get into a conversation and I will openly tell someone, look, I'm not really one for conflict, but this I'm passionate about and I'm interested in other points of view and I'm willing to be challenged and it almost gives permission for people to ask questions and dig a little bit deeper. And, you know, I'm passively kind of doing it now mm. to you, you know.
2: I love it. I love it.
0: And that is how I've kind of overcome it. But I'm also
2: it. confused. I really seriously are confused because here's the thing. On one hand, you say I don't like confrontation. On the other hand, says you say I like challenge. On one hand, you like intentional. On the other side, you like passive. I feel like these are extremes. Yeah. What is it that's connecting you from to go from one extreme, or is it the fact that the extreme gives you safety because you don't need to connect those two things? I don't know. I question that, and that's where the confusion's coming in my brain
0: right that's, now. Do you know, I think you've hit a really good point there. It's possibly two things. It's possibly a security blanket. You know, if these two things yeah. are so far apart and I can sit in the middle, I can, it almost gives me the freedom to go black and white anytime. And if I, the other side of it is, I think it's possibly something to do with balance as well. If I was to sit in the middle of those things, or go one way or the other, I would almost feel locked in to a particular way Mm -hmm. of being or a particular way of doing or whatever it is. Sitting in the middle of these two polar opposites almost gives me a little bit of balance where depending on the circumstance or the situation, I can be like, no, I can just be a bit passive about this, or I can be very, very intentional and about this over here. So I guess I feel that it gives me balance and flexibility in the way I approach things, which I think is, I think I think that's okay. I, I think that could work for me pretty well. Well, it has, it has so far, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. Here's the thing, <laughs> so I think you. it
2: works. No, you're fine. I, I love it. And here's the thing. You're not the only one that does this, right? So it's great. The more insights we get on this conversation, the more maybe others may relate to that and go, yeah, I so relate to that. What I find interesting about it is that I think that when you tend to do it this way, that you could go one way, you could go that way. You don't want to be locked in. And this may challenge you. This may be confrontational. I'm going to say it anyway. That I think that there's no ownership to a decision either way Mm. and when we Mm. take ownership then a change can happen and I get worried that there's not just you doing this but many doing this
0: that's really interesting that actually contradicts a big value I have Hmm. Um, tell me
2: more about that
0: I believe that most issues can be solved in the world hmm. if every single human took a little bit more responsibility.
2: Oh, I love it. Yes.
0: There's, and do you know, funnily enough, I learned this through my work, through employing people. Hmm. So I have some, I'm issuing a warning right now. I have some pretty radical views on how the world works. work Bring should it on. be.
2: That's what this that- is for. There's. Like, this is what this is for. It's a safe place.
0: I get this funny feeling that you're actually going to agree with me on this. (laughs) But so I'm going
2: to do a pre-thing because I think this is important for others that are listening and a reminder to all of us that I think that actually, whether I agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. We need to be able to have these conversations at the table. And I just want to preface that because I think that this is a really important Thing that I'm seeing and it almost means that we won't have a conversation with each other unless we know that we're going to agree with each other. And we miss out because maybe I yeah. don't, but maybe it's because I haven't quite got to that point that I have that as my perspective or maybe actually it makes me stand up for what I think even more and that's okay too. So go ahead.
0: Well, your curiosity I think is your superpower because in any, hmm, like uh, in any other situation where you are trying to challenge thinking or anything, sometimes it can feel confrontational, but actually just being very curious and asking the question and just being interested in digging a little bit deeper, I think takes the sting away a little bit. So thank yeah, you. I love
2: that. That's <laughs> great. I'm going to remember that.
0: But so I employed people and the minute I decided to employ people, which I, I employed eight people all at once. And for anyone who's outside the UK, which is I imagine most of people, there was a government scheme through coronavirus where you could employ people and it was part funded by the government. So I employed eight people. It was funded for six months and it was almost like a work placement for young people. So it was specifically mm-hmm. for young people. So I took on eight people and I immediately got very interested in leadership and how to run a business and how to run teams and all these different things. And I came across this. Came across two things. One of them was A way to hold meetings and be productive in meetings and make sure that they were productive for everyone. The other one, which was more interesting, is the way that we run our business, which is based on the history of our working lives. So if you think back to the industrial age, people were just like whipped to work, you know, the working conditions were terrible. In the UK, there was a lot of mining, you know, coal mining and A lot of industrial steelworks and jewellery and all that kind of stuff. And so over time, they started getting children involved. So obviously they had to do something about it. And they bought a law to stop child labour and people overworking. It was called in the UK, it's called something like the Working Time Directive or something. And Mm -hmm. it's this legal thing we have in place now, which basically says you work up to 40 hours a week if you work... Over that, it's your responsibility and people have to pay you a certain amount and you have to work on certain days. And all these rules were put in place as law around working. But all the laws that were put in place were around time and location. Hmm. So all of a sudden, we hit the digital age where we can work anywhere in the world with whoever we like at whatever time or time zone we like. Yeah, And yet we're still in this this mind space and this mindset that we have to work within nine to five, and it has to be Monday to Friday. And you get these two days off to rest, but then it's back to work. And we're stuck in this industrial age mindset in a world where it doesn't matter. So I was introduced to this by two ladies who wrote a book called Why Work Sucks and How to Fix It. I have to remember their names, but Jodie Thompson's one of them. And, oh, Jodie Thompson and Carrie Something. I apologise, I can't remember the name. But it's Why Work Sucks and, and How Just to... Just look
2: pick. up Carry Something and, and we'll be... Yeah, good.
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The word something, it'll bring it up. Something. And they talk about this new way of working called a results-only work environment. And they tested it out in Walmart in the US. And the concept of a results-only work environment is basically... You work when you want, where you want, as long as the Mm. work is done. Yeah. And that my brain was firing when I read this, because I was just about to employ and I was like, oh my, this is what I've been looking for my entire life for Mm. me as an employee. So why would I not give that to the people I employ to create that opportunity that I never had? So that's what I did. We ran Mm. a twelve person team remotely and ran it successfully on this results-only work environment. And the only way that it worked is right from the beginning, if you explain to people that your responsibility is the result of your job. So at the beginning, if you're mm, a, yeah. I don't know, a, so the result can be a specific thing, make sure four videos are uploaded to YouTube a week or whatever, yeah. or it can be make sure there's no complaints, Like <laughs> whatever the result yeah. is it doesn't matter what people do in that time or how they do it. As long as at the end of the week, they can come to a meeting and say, yes, we did that. Mm. And I was introduced to this idea that actually all it takes is for people to just take a bit yeah. of responsibility and it would yeah. change the whole way that we work, the way that we live. And I started and to think has, it, and has it? And has it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Massively. Isn't that interesting? It, Oh, and so every time I see something now, you know, whether it's a conversation, it's a thing that's happening, it's a political thing, or my brain keeps going, oh, funny they took I'm almost like a parent now to everyone. Oh, if you just took a bit more responsibility, it might have gone a bit better, you know. But, yeah, that's fascinated me over the last couple of years.
2: So Um, can I just take that example? Because I love that, right? Like, and to be honest, I think it's a phenomenal model of a way in which... We can now do a new approach to going forward because I think that is something that is going to be beneficial for home, for environments. You can have workers from anywhere and everywhere. So, like, and especially because there's a lot of research right now on remote learning. And so that doesn't mean that you're going to be literally in the same country, in the same office, in the same space. So it changes the whole directory of how we turn up in our workspace. But, and there is a but to this right now, that's great that you're doing that with your team. And it's one example. My question to you is, are you doing that? Because like I just heard you say just then was like, I kind of like became the parent going, what if you took more responsibility? What if you did this? What if and by the way, this is not at you because I had to do the same thing on that. That at one stage I was like, I don't ever want to be in leadership because I don't like yeah. leadership. I didn't want to be no one in the leadership space because I didn't really like what was happening in leadership. And I would see leaders doing these things and running these organizations and companies and movements and I'd go what are they doing what is like if only they did and then I realized what am I owning what am I changing what am I building into culture that is to narrow that gap from where I don't like what's happening to a love that we're shifting it towards what I'd love to see happening. And that really changed everything that I built out, everything that I do. And I wonder, are you at that point?
0: Yes, although I have been caught out.
2: Tell Um, me more about that. Like what do you mean by yes, but I have been caught out?
0: So I, back to intent, I was very (laughs) intentional about implementing this thing. And
1: uh, I wanted to make
0: sure that I wanted to make sure it was running in the business. And then I wanted Mm. to see what happened. What happened in the process is I realized in my home life, there were times where I wasn't taking responsibility. Mm. And I only realized because I had done this thing in the business, mm. uh, so I wouldn't have realized it. So there ones where I was preaching to my staff about taking responsibility. And then something would happen at home. You know, maybe I'd had a hard day with the kids or at work. And then my wife's had a hard day with the kids. And I come home and she's like, can you just help out with this? And I'm yeah. like, I'm tired. you know, Yeah. Um, realizing that moment, like, you're not doing it. You're not taking responsibility. Mm. Like, you get your ideas together. And it acted as a bit of a trigger for me because... Every time something would happen, I would tell myself, that's not you taking responsibility. And it stings. It stings. But after a few times you get to realize and you get into a pattern, there's still times now where I do it. And it acts as kind of a reminder, I guess, that I need to change something or I need to do something else. So yes, it has (laughs) happened for me and I'm putting it into action all the time. But, you know, we're not perfect and, you know, we can't do it exactly right every time. But... Just purely the fact that it acts as a reminder now is enough for me. It's enough See, for I me love to, that. That's like a legislate. trigger.
2: It's, a, yeah. it's an awareness that mm-hmm. now you go, oh, I've got that awareness. Now, from the awareness, though, it's that taking ownership. And what am I going to take from that? And I think that's the interesting piece. And I think, by the way, there's just so many of us that have been guilty of You know having an awareness around something but not taking ownership i know there's a problem there hey troy welcome and i know something needs to change but i'm going to leave that to someone else i don't know how many times i've said that and gone you know what i'm an introvert i'm happy to be the secret source behind amazing people or uh, you know and in the end it was like yeah but if i really truly want to see change What am I willing to take ownership of, right? And I Mm -hmm. think that's where we get to it. Sometimes where it's not okay just to have an awareness, we have to keep putting that in until it becomes our, what I call, decision DNA.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the second you said decision DNA, my brain went, yep, get that. There's also a different side to this where responsibility feels really scary. And almost to the point where responsibility also means taking responsibility for saying no to stuff as well as taking responsibility and saying yes. You know, if you're going to make a decision, it's just sticking behind it and making it for the right reasons. You know, I can preach responsibility and that we have to do everything, and be everything, can be these amazing people, but we're human. We're not designed to be that great and perfect all the time, no matter how intentional we are. So you can take responsibility and you can do all the things, but there will come a time where you feel overwhelmed or like you're doing everything and not getting anything in return. So it's your responsibility to say no as much as you say yes to totally. things and to and to be okay agree. with it. Yeah, Like to be satisfied and fulfilled in the fact that you said no and it was the right thing to say no to at that time. And take responsibility for the bad decisions as well as the good decisions.
2: But see, um, here's the thing. I interrupt on this one because I think that it brings a great point into the old approach, new approach that... You know, maybe the part of the new approach is that we are okay to be evolving, that it's okay not to have it all sorted at the table. And, in fact, what we're bringing to the table is kind of some of these messes at times so that we can work out because maybe someone else at the table actually has some ways they've worked it out that could make it more effective so you don't make that mistake again, right? Yeah. And I think when we when we just come with perfection, when we just come when we all got it right, we're actually setting people up to fail because part of the learning, part of the evolving, part of the journey is the fact that we're not perfect, is the fact that maybe there's more learning to do. I don't know. If the day happens that I feel like I know everything, that is the day that I'm passing away like live, yeah
0: yeah right i'm done because i'm
2: done, I'm done. <laughs> just yeah. kill me now right like seriously because part of what i love in life and one of the reasons i love to travel was because i was so immersed in different cultures that i had to learn
0: yeah.
2: i had to gain a new insights, and guess what from that I was a much more effective in what I did, whether personally, whether as a mama, whether as a businesswoman, whatever it was, I was much more and had much more value to add to the table. And I think the day that we think that having perfection, doing it, and this is again the old principles was or the old approach to me was things like, here's the three principles to live a perfect life, right? do this and you will have it all sorted well we have been built in many of our systems and many of our thinkings that this is the way to do it going forward and I think that this is where I'd love for us to you know disrupt this you know sort of pattern and go actually Danny, you don't have it all right but nor do I but what are you learning and what can I share from what I'm learning and then what are we taking? And that's what these conversations are about, right?
0: Yeah. You've just reminded me of something that could almost act as a bit of case example, I guess, of this learning that so mm. and you're gonna have to bear with me because this, is, this is a bit stri- it might seem like a strange example, but in the UK, there's a TV show at the minute. It's one of these experimental relationship kind of shows. A little bit like Married at First Sight, a little bit like uh-huh. Love Island. And they basically put 10 single guys and girls in a big villa in Spain with 10 single Spanish guys and girls. <laughs> the twist on it is they can't speak English and they can't speak Spanish. Wow.
2: So they have to learn and they're, to ex- they're
0: expected to communicate and build a relationship, a romantic mm. relationship with these people. So at this point, it doesn't matter if you're a bad boy, uh, you know, or whatever, you have a particular lifestyle or an amount of money or, or you do a certain job or you have a certain family or it, like, there's no prejudices whatsoever. Wow. Because every single person is focused on how do I make a connection with this human?
2: Hmm.
0: And it's amazing because you lose all judgment about these people that you might have had before because you're so focused on how do I express to this person yeah. that I'm attracted to them and even though we can't speak the same language there is this like chemistry that mind you
2: here's that. the thing you could just strip off your clothes I think that would give it a...
0: <laughs> yeah I oh, was sorry yeah. I just
2: could not have
0: let person. me give you a clue yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Sorry,
0: that was uh, yeah. Don't it, Keep going. Yeah, but what a fascinating experiment (laughs) to do. Like, how do we communicate better as humans? Well, why don't you stick people in a room that can't talk to each other? Mm -hmm. Because you know, I think. But isn't that politicians? Isn't
2: that like, um... (laughs) (laughs) well,
0: yeah, you could say you could say that. Yeah, how do you? Yeah, you basically stick in a country in a room with a politician. And no one can understand each other. Yeah, yeah. So the but it's really fascinating to watch these people communicate and mm. notice how they don't need to talk because they get so much from their body length Because they're having conversations and they're nodding with each other. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah. you there must be some understanding there. There must be something that you're picking up from the other person. And I did like it's more than just verbal, isn't it? It's the you can tell when someone's a little bit uptight or. You know, nervous or, or whatever, you can read it in body language. And even if you're not, you know, trained in reading body language, we can feel it, we can smell it, you know? Yeah. So,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. It's really fascinating to watch that. And I, I thought it tied into what you're saying.
2: Um, no, I love that. Example. And one of the reasons, by the way, that I have it on the visual mm-hmm. is because even though we put this into a podcast later, is that I, Want to see you. I want to connect with you as a human being, not just this voice on the other end. <laughs> and I actually did one podcast last year and it was just audio. It's actually a good friend of mine as well. But I have to tell you, it was the hardest podcast ever I'd ever done. And the reason was because it wasn't face to face like this. I love to interact. I love to, you know, when I'm working with people, I'll often say to you, there's times when I'm just direct and I advise. There's other times I actually am very quiet and I'll just let you talk. And I wanna hear you know what you're thinking, where you're going with this. And it's not because I've got nothing to say, it's because I'm really curious to hear what you've got to say. And I think that's the thing that I love about the visual is you might say something with your words but your face can often say something different. And, you know, when we don't have those cues, again, then our awareness isn't there. So Mm. I really love that visual thing. Here's a couple of things because I do want to wind up at some stage, although I think we could keep talking for a long time, is that one of the things that I was and I wrote it here because if you are a pioneer how do you stand out and eliminate the competition because you say in your marketing you know how whatever it was to stand out and eliminate the competition and I was thinking about that and thinking Mm -hmm. but when I'm doing a new approach when I'm pioneering something that's not so known you don't necessarily have all the data to pull on how do you just stand out? How do you eliminate the competition? And I know this is kind of a total twist, but I really would love an answer to that.
0: (laughs) I think we often think that standing out from the competition, there is a single thing that allows that to happen. So we often shift to this thought that what's the thing that I can find that makes me different? What's that one thing that I can find that makes me different? And the truth is that if it's a one thing, it means that it's everywhere. You know, other people have it. So I don't think it's a one thing. I think Mm. how you stand out from the competition is your own unique combination of things. And that may be, you know, it's common in the branding world that I'm in, where if people are doing like a brand strategy or a consultancy kind of role, they haven't thought of all this stuff themselves. They've learned it from seven different people that do different things that they've drawn on. And they have this unique combination of things that they do that helps people get a specific result. Their only job is to communicate it in a way that's compelling for people. So a lot of, you know, people don't just buy products and services. They buy the ones that they can understand the quickest because Mm. we're humans and we're attracted to clarity and simplicity. So it's very common for people to buy inferior products from competitors of yours Purely because it's communicated clearer than you it. And that's does a that really scary back? thing. Can I,
2: can I just say, does that mean, though, is that because that's what we know? That's what we've only ever known? Possibly. Yeah. Mm. So if you're pioneering, if you're doing a new approach, how then do you stand out?
0: Simplify. When you say pioneer, it sounds like a big thing. Like, this is a big thing.
2: It's It's going to change something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be.
2: Hmm.
0: yeah. And even if it is, you know, Mount Everest is a humongous monster of a mountain. But it hasn't got a name that's, you know, 52 characters long. It's just called Everest. Hmm. So we've got this humongous thing, but so simply recognized and so simply memorable that everyone in the world knows what it is. Even in the darkest corners of third world countries, if you said Everest, people would know what that is, you know. So you can That's be helpful. a pioneer and you can have this big stuff. But it's, I think it's the way that it's communicated, the way that it's delivered to the world in its simplest form that has the most powerful effect. So standing out from your competition is sometimes the simplest thing. Because everyone else is trying to overcomplicate and over-egg and over-value and add and add and add and layer on top of layer, you know, trying to make something pioneering, when really sometimes the most pioneering things are the simplest.
2: Interesting. I love that. I love the way that you said that. Kind of brought it back to simplicity, right? Uh, okay, so if anyone wants to know, you know, how to connect with you more, Find out more about what you do. What's the best way they can do that?
0: They can go to dannyand.co. That's my website. I'm pretty much on social media, the actual Danny, because everyone assumes that my <laughs> name's Daniel. The and, uh,
1: Danny.
0: and then it's shortened, it's abbreviated to Danny. But it's not, I'm a Danny. I have, to, I have to tell everyone. That's where the name came from. I called myself the actual Danny on social media because oh, everyone great. used to ask. I love that. Are you a Daniel? No, I'm not a Daniel. I'm a Danny. So, well, there you, go. so you can find me online. Well, I'm the, the actual, actual Kiri Marie and you're yeah.
2: the actual Daniel.
0: <laughs>
2: Danny, sorry. Now I'm getting confused. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there is one thing that I do the same on every conversation. And it's the only thing I do on this conversation the same. And that is asking you this question. What are you taking from our conversation today?
0: I would like to thank you, Kiri, for the reflection. Actually, I think one of the most, the thing that we don't really get to do, especially when COVID happens, and we're trying to navigate life in general, You don't get to reflect much unless we're very intentional about it. And having you here as a new angle, a new challenge to my thinking and uh, and my points of view is actually what we all need. And I think that's the purpose of this, of what you do anyway. So I'm taken from this conversation that I need to be more intentional about being challenged in my thinking and going out there and finding the stuff, but also a reminder that, You know, I need to take a bit more responsibility at times and not to beat myself up when I don't. Yeah. But also, I'm very... I like this theme that you have of... What did you say in the beginning about communication and what this is really for, these conversations? Because that was really interesting.
2: Yeah, so it's so funny because even the decision table itself... I literally, I wasn't good at small talk. And I knew that I needed to connect and meet with other people. And I would get people going, I need to refer this person to you. But I would also go, I don't know how to have a conversation. Like, I'm not good at that small talk. I think that it's really difficult to have those conversations. Like, I just want to know you. I want to connect with you. I want to hear about those stories. And then the other side of it was I traveled the world and I also never got to... So, like, I'd be having these amazing conversations but I wouldn't be able to share it with other people. And I wanted to share that. And then there's another thing that the decision table came out of. And it was the fact that I think that we need to be your role model. And that is a role model to how easy it is to have a conversation with anyone. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to sound like you. They don't even have to be in the same industry as you or you know their thinking or beliefs, but we can still learn from someone else. And that is why I did the decision table because I wanted to show that not only do I believe this, that it is possible. And from this, we can collaborate, we can learn, we can connect, we can go out there and do. And from, by the way, the decision table, we have had many different partnerships and collaborations and new connections and be able to then help you know, someone's gone, hey, this is what I'm doing. And then I go, oh, I know someone else that could connect you with this. And we don't know if we're not willing to have a conversation, how to help and serve other people, and also how to then narrow that gap from problem to solution because yeah. otherwise that problem just becomes much wider and too big and we feel like, you know, it's never going to be any change happening. And, you know, it does
0: become hard to take ownership then. I used to think that people having conversations was the furthest thing away from taking action. And I was wrong. It's these kinds of conversations that have to happen. This is the action. This is the action. And this is the action that brings the awareness to the problem so we can find solutions. So, yeah, thank you for opening your mind and your world to me and my way of thinking and challenging that and showing that to the world so i appreciate it thank you
2: you're so welcome and here's the thing what i'm taking from our conversation is that reminder around the importance of having these conversations and then a willingness to go around the fact that we can disagree like even that that hesitation to say something and then you're going to say something and yes i might agree or might not agree and i think That was a great reminder for me that we have to make sure that people know they've got permission to, A, have a seat at the table but also to have a voice at the table. And it kind of makes me go, how can I do that better? How can I, you know, make sure that you know that you have a seat at the table, but you also have a voice at the table? And then that willingness to listen to that voice. And I think that's the thing that I'm really trying hard to figure out, how can I do that better? And today was a great reminder of continuing that work to find out how I can give more voices, two different distinctions at the table, but also then to know what to do with that. Even if we don't agree, I always say this, like, you know, you can disagree with everything at that table, but there is always one thing we can kind of agree on that can shift it forward. And, you know, for the dial forward from problem to solution. And I just think we have to be able to navigate that better in our conversations and be able to give permission right from the start that that's okay to do. And I don't know that I do that really well. I'm trying really hard if we talk about intention. I'm really trying to be intentional with doing it, but I want to know how I can do that even better. So thank you for that and that reminder.
0: When we did team reviews with the team, I always used to say to them that, there is always going to be a question that you think you shouldn't ask. And I'm telling you, it's probably the only question you should ask because that is the only way that you're going to feel the permission to be able to ask the hard questions of what you want to know. Um, else you're going to be stuck with this thing in your head, you know, and it's going to build up and it's going to build up. And you know that sometimes the hardest question to ask is what you need to do. I love that. It was good, you know, it allowed people to open up and, to ask the hard questions.
2: So was there any question that I should have asked you that I didn't take?
0: Oh, there's probably hundreds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> there's so much. Well, we live in a world where there's so much to talk about and so much to tackle. I'm really proud that I've been on a bit of a journey the last few years of thinking about myself personally, but also my business in terms of impact instead of profit and it's been a really big journey for me and we started to publish an impact report a little bit like b corps do yeah and uh, yeah that's just been really fulfilling and but the downside i guess it's not really a downside but the kind of downside to that is that you all of a sudden become very aware of a lot of problems in the world and you feel like you know it's your responsibility to go and solve every single one of them and you have to choose wisely and use your time wisely and prioritize so that's been an interesting journey but one i've really enjoyed
2: but here's the thing that i would be saying in that is that i think that when we create an awareness then we can take it back to what we're doing and then what are we going to own from knowing that and i think that that doesn't mean that we're going to change the world what it means is we can change the culture in our company in our Mm -hmm. home in how we turn up in the world and that in turn is us adding value to humanity going forward. And I think if yeah. you do that, if I do that, if George down the road does that, Mary does it, Frank, whoever, then it actually does shift it, right? Yeah, And it exactly. shifts it in the right direction. I want to thank mm-hmm. you for coming and being on here. I'm going to end the broadcast now, but don't run away because I just want to say goodbye to you. But thank you so much
0: for being on today.
1: Thank you, Kerry. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.